The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Welcome to Squawk Box. Here are your headlines. Pandemic pain. Japan slips into recession for the first time in nearly five years as Q1 GDP contracts 3.4%, while Fed Chair Jerome Powell warns the U.S. economy may not recover until a vaccine is found. In the long run, and even in the medium run, you wouldn't want to bet against the American economy. This economy will recover. It may take a while. It may take a period of time it could stretch through the end of next year. We really don't know. Fitch downgrades France's credit rating outlook to negative, citing the country's sharply reduced economic activity and widening deficit. Ophir Chrysler gets the green light from the Italian government to apply for a 6.3 billion euro credit line as it looks to shore up its balance sheet while moving ahead with its PSA merger. A setback for SoftBank, Alibaba founder Jack Ma resigns from the board of the Japanese conglomerate after 13 years as Masha Yoshisan's group looks set to report a historic loss. And while watching, Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund snaps up nearly $8 billion worth of US and European blue chips, including BP, Boeing, Facebook and Citigroup, whilst Warren Buffett sells out of his stake in Goldman Sachs. Morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, news crossing from Ryanair this morning. This is its four-year numbers. And of course, the airline sector hard hit by coronavirus. I want to dive into what we're seeing on the profit side. Uh, just over one billion euros reported. That is up 13 percent uh, versus analyst consensus, uh, which was seen uh, slightly below this number. So the number coming out uh, slightly better than expected. In terms of what you've got on the uh, uh, individual uh, numbers on the revenue side uh, per pax- passenger, that is up 6% to 57 euros. Fares plus 2% uh, and ciliary charges up 16%. The company's uh, COVID uh, restrictions have cut its 2020 profits by over 40 million, is what it's saying, reduced its uh, Q4 traffic by over 5 million euros. The uh, company's 2020 numbers, uh, of course, are clearly being uh, looked over by a lot of analysts at this point. It says uh, Lauda has significantly lowered its growth plans. Again, across the industry, we've seen a problem with capacity now, too much capacity and cutbacks taking place. The company believes it will be at least October before they receive their first 737 MAX aircraft. That is an update on the plane that had been grounded on the back of fatalities. And this is uh, the latest update that October now at least before it takes delivery of these planes. It's currently reviewing its short-term growth plans. The company reports uh, current cash balance of 4.1 billion euros. And uh, the company's average weekly cash burn has dropped approximately 200 million euros uh, in March. So uh, that number now reducing to 60 million euros. The company's 2021 profit guidance at this time has no visibility on uh, the customer business. So it is still saying it cannot see out down the line. Uh, I want to get to Steve because you also have been closely watching this airline. Of course, we had the warnings about how you social distance on a plane and how you can still manage to be profitable if you've got quarantine when you arrive back into the country for two weeks, Steve. 
Yeah, absolutely. Huge concerns about what the airline industry does next. We've been hearing it from the CEO of uh, Heathrow talking this weekend about how the airports can uh, safely get more passengers through. Because, of course, as we know, uh, at the moment, there is a very small trickle of people coming through the airports as well, Karen. But obviously, Ryanair and Michael O'Leary, who we'll speak to later on, has been at the forefront of saying, look, we can do this and we can get people back and we can do it safely. This comes at a time when Europe is trying to open up uh, a lot more of the uh, the resorts, uh, a lot more access cross borders as well. But again, if the UK 14-day quarantine uh, does come in as promised by the UK government, and we understand there's going to be another government meeting on that today, uh, travel into and out of the UK and into and out of Ireland as well, because my understanding is the T-Shock is looking at very similar measures. It's going to be very difficult for the likes of Wizz Air, Ryanair, EasyJet and all those others who have tried to put a schedule out there going forward, Karen, to, to anywhere near get the passengers to come through. And that's, of course, just at the official level. What about the passengers themselves? We know how difficult it is and how worried people are about even just commuting into London using public transport or indeed using their cars as well. So when you transport that to going to airports and getting on tightly packed planes potentially as well, and then going to foreign countries and having a quarantine at the back of it. The challenges for this industry are absolutely enormous. As you know well full from our, from our IATA conversation last week, where you and I were asking how it is impossible uh, to have full planes and indeed uh, quarantining at airports when we know what the security procedures are like normally, let alone in the, in the new world. We've got some lines crossing from the CFO today saying he does not expect any delay in the plane turnaround times due to COVID-19 measures, which is just extraordinary as you highlight there, the social distancing of getting on and off a plane. And of course, any extra cleaning measures at this point. Just a quick line on two on demand. The CFO is saying they're seeing an increase in people searching for sun holidays in recent days, but it is still early days. So it seems as though some people are still seeking uh, July or August holidays in the sun at this point. We'll be speaking to the CEO, Michael O'Leary, at 8 o'clock C in a first on CMC interview. So we will continue the conversation with him shortly as we discuss what is taking place out there on the demand side. Europe, uh, Japan's economy has plunged into recession for the first time in nearly five years, contracting 3.4% year on year. That uh, follows a slump of 7.3% in the previous quarter, triggered by an increase in the national sales tax last year. The first quarter drop was less than analysts forecast, but concern remains over the second quarter as Japan did not apply virus restrictions until April. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell has said a full economic recovery in the U.S. will not be possible until a vaccine has been found. Speaking to CBS's 60 Minutes, he explained it could take until the end of 2021 before the economy bounces back, but warned a second wave of infections could undermine that. This is a time of of great suffering and difficulty, and it's come on us so quickly and with such force that you, you really can't put into words uh, the, the pain people are feeling and the uncertainty they're realizing. And it's going to take a while for us to get back. But I, I would just say this, in the long run, and even in the medium run, you wouldn't want to bet against the American economy. This economy will recover. It may take a while. It may take a, a period of time. It could stretch through the end of next year. We really don't know. 
And Jay Powell's comments setting the scene for the trading session as we begin a new week. And what we've got across the Asian markets, modest greens starting to move on to the charts, the exception of Australia, which is a solid bounce of almost 1.3%, but slightly more cautious, as you can see, for Hong Kong stocks. Uh, firmer for China, a bounce of six-tenths of a percent, and Japanese stocks up about half of a percent. Also weathering news of a recession in the first quarter, as we mentioned. But investors, too, have been eyeing some of those trade tensions we saw across the course of the trading week that uh, investors just a little a bit nervous about that escalation and tensions between the US and China and China today is saying it is concerned around the latest restrictions around Huawei the telecommunications company this is how US futures are now firming up across on the charts you can see green also moving back onto those boards uh, for the early action but it does follow what was a bit of a patchy old week we saw some gains as we finished up uh, on Wall Street uh, a bit of a bounce back modest for the Dow a little bit firmer on the S&P 500 and solid for the Nasdaq as tech stocks again got the biggest slice of the pie in terms of risk appetite. But investors at the start of week are notably concerned around those trade tensions. Also, the emergence of countries from lockdown triggered a, a spike in an infection again. That's uh, raised more concerns about how we get through the next couple of months without getting infection rates back up again. So that was very evident in the trade last week. In terms of what you had in the Friday session, the Dow, this rally, uh, second positive one in a row. Over the course of the week, it was down 2.6%. Home Depot, one of the big moving stocks for the Dow, and it was Microsoft that was a real trigger for the S&P and also for the Nasdaq in session. Let's take a look at those U.S. banks as well. This is how they fared in the trading session in the red. So just providing a little bit of a cap on some of the gains. 1.8% of JP Morgan losses, uh, 1.2 for Bank of America. Firmer for the losses on Wells Fargo, much more red ink on that chart, as you can see, down 2.9%, only modest losses for Citigroup. Now, Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund went on a spending spree in the last few months, buying stakes in major US and European companies. Regulatory filings show the public investment fund added holdings in BP, Boeing, Facebook, Disney, Marriott, Bank of America and Citigroup. The fund says it has invested in companies, quote, well positioned to drive economies and lead sectors moving forward. PIF separately denied a report that it was seeking a $10 billion margin loan backed by its stake in SoftBank. Well, Warren Buffett has dumped the majority of his holdings in Goldman Sachs, according to the latest 13F filings. The Oracle of Omaha took a 2.9% stake in the lender during the great financial crisis, but sold 10 million shares over the last quarter. Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway now holds a 0.6% stake in the bank. Well, let's just get into uh, some of these holdings. And I think, uh, Jeff and Steve, uh, the banking uh, situation quite telling. I mean, we've all been living with negative rates here in Europe for some time. That is still a prospect potentially in the United States, even though no one at the Fed is spelling it out. The markets are certainly concerned about that. Also, when it comes to the trading portfolio, it probably has not escaped your notice if you look at the volumes in recent weeks, that those volumes have come right back. And the bright spot in the, in the recent first quarter numbers from many of the banks was that trading portfolio. The volatility was very positive for the earnings. That started to disappear a little bit, so we won't have that buffer the banks as you see some of their margins cut because of the interest rate story and also the credit profile, Jeff. Yeah, there are a couple of ways of looking at this story, Karen, I think, and um, both of them have to do with the attractiveness of financials, as you've pointed out. We know Warren Buffett ploughed $5 billion into this investment back in 2008. Uh, by various reckonings, he will have made over $3 billion from this investment. I think that was the maths that Goldman Sachs themselves did back in 2013. So let's fast forward to today. You have a look at the share price performance 
performance of Goldman Sachs over the last, say, five years or so. And you can see where we are today at $171 is pretty much back where we were in 2016. And given the prospects for the financials, as you were just pointing out, you could make an argument that given how exposed Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway is to the financial sector. It's a part of the uh, market in America that he's liked and heavily invested in, whether it's ratings agencies, banks, or insurers. Maybe he just considers now the right time to lighten up his position. And in particular, maybe he feels that suppressed economic activity will not be a good story for an investment bank like Goldman Sachs. But it's fair to say that the the Warren Buffett glow has worked very well to help uh, Goldman Sachs uh, get back to winning ways on uh, Wall Street. Uh, now, clearly, Warren Buffett feels Goldman Sachs may be no longer appropriate in that size for the, for, for the portfolio. Steve? Well, yeah, just to add this to the other story about selling out of the airlines as well, and it clearly shows a more cautious Warren Buffett at this stage of the recovery than we saw the Warren Buffett at the same stage uh, in the GFC. There, as you mentioned, he was there to support Goldman with an investment that, that worked incredibly well for Berkshire Hathaway. This time around, he's holding a very large amount of cash, $138 billion, I think it was, sold out of his airlines. And if you really thought there was going to be uh, an ebullient recovery uh, in 2021, would you be selling out of your airlines now? Would you be selling out of one of the major uh, investment banks? And just picking up on the, the big article in the FT about this story as well, about Warren Buffett as well, uh, let's talk about his performance. Uh, he is a far greater investor than I could ever be, times many, many times. But the fact of the matter is, over the last year, he has lost 25%, where the S&P has fallen 11%. So his performance hasn't been very good. So you just wonder whether he's just going for a bad period or actually he's just waiting for better opportunities, as you say. The only thing I'll add to this is my headline, and that's that the PIF out of Saudi Arabia, rather than selling these kind of companies, is actually picking up assets in, for instance, BP, which will give them a diversification on the energy story, because we know that Bernard Looney, from our conversations, Karen and Jeff, uh, is looking to diversify. He's picking up Boeing, Begging Pardon, Saudi Arabia, and picking up stocks like City. So doing almost the polar opposite, because they see themselves as longer-term investors, dare I say it, the same kind of investor that we've always understood Warren Buffett to be. Facebook was one of the investments uh, that the Saudis were also picking up as well. And I was just looking at the recovery that you've seen in some of the tech stocks, say, versus the banks. And that's been one of the problems. Technology has been a much stronger performer now out of the, the depths of the, the sell-off around COVID-19 than what we've seen from the banks. I mean, we've actually got a positive a level for the year for Facebook. It's up 2.7% versus losses of 25% for Goldman Sachs. So you can see where investors have been positioned and where they have done much better has been around technology. And think about this particular name when I say technology. This is a company that has seen it's been hard hit because of its very strong advertising model. No one's buying advertising firms at this point because they think the advertising market has fallen off a cliff, whereas Facebook's revenue is all directed uh, to advertising. So despite that fact, investors have gotten right back in there on Facebook stock. My question is what happens next for the broader stock market? Because the, the trend you've seen, the curve you've seen on Goldman Sachs is quite similar to the S&P 500. And many feel as though the S&P 500 may have run out of steam now until we get some better news on the economy, at least uh, some clarity on what this uh, emergence from lockdown means in terms of minimising the damage. So uh, I guess I wonder what bounces next. Is it going to be banks or are we going to get a sell-off more broadly across the stock market, Jeff? 
Well, there's a lot for our investor audience to conjure with this morning, isn't there? Because there are various economists who are out there at the moment suggesting that maybe the US and European economies actually bottomed in April. Now, that's quite a big call, given that the head of the Federal Reserve, Jay Powell, is now not talking about a recovery until 2021. So uh, who do you want to believe at the moment? Do you want to believe the investment bank economists who uh, would like to see the markets very active? Or do you believe Jay Powell, who has to run uh, the Federal Reserve and take a measured assessment of the economy as a whole in the United States. And then let's step aside from that and pick up on the points that you mentioned, Karen. Um, I think Bank of America and others have pointed out that there have basically only been five stocks that have defied gravity and pulled the S&P higher. And when you look at the NASDAQ, pushed the NASDAQ uh, back into positive territory uh, for the year-to-date trade here. So buying deep discount value has not worked at any point over recent years, and it hasn't even worked through this period of very beaten up share prices. But you do have to ask yourself, can these stocks defy gravity if Jay Powell's version of uh, economic recovery plays out here and we really don't see improvement on the macro side until well into next year? You've got to really pinch your nose and uh, just step into the market and buy if you feel that confident about the rebound for these particular tech companies and how they can operate in a vacuum of weaker economic activity, I guess. Yes, I'm glad you brought up the vaccine uh, comments from Powell, Jeff. I think that's quite key as investors have been hoping there might be something around the corner, but yet we, of course, had no confirmation from any of the major producers or vaccines that uh, there's something coming this year. So uh, on that note, let's uh, push on and uh, tell you what's coming up on the show. Anti-lockdown demonstrations in Germany turn ugly as hundreds are detained and authorities warn of a rising wave in right-wing extremism. That's coming away next. Also ahead, no end uh, to SoftBank's tribulations. The Japanese conglomerate loses a heavyweight board member just as it expected to post record losses. We'll bring you the details. If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out the Brave Ones podcast. The series explores the rise of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Through exclusive interviews with family, friends and colleagues, the Brave Ones podcast features stories of determination, resilience and ingenuity. Available on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Play. The Brave Ones podcast presented by Credit Suisse. Here's how we're shaping up on European markets. A strong bounce anticipated this morning on the back of what was a decent Friday session as well. Markets trying to trim some of the losses as they wrapped up uh, the session Friday. Uh, the DAX was down 4% for the week. But uh, you can see this morning we're expecting a strong bounce on the DAX. 198 points so far. Triple-digit point bounce anticipated. Brazil's total number of confirmed COVID-19 cases has risen above 240,000, surpassing Italy and Spain to become the fourth worst affected country in the world. The South American nation has struggled to ramp up testing, with only 500,000 carried out so far. All of these tests took place in hospitals, leading to fears that the real number of cases is much higher than official statistics. 
Shops, restaurants and hair salons will reopen in Italy today, ahead of the initial June 1st target date. The first European country to impose a nationwide lockdown has accelerated easing restrictions as the number of new virus cases fell to the lowest since the 4th of March. Italy will also reopen its border to European travellers on the 3rd of June as it looks to revive tourism, which accounts for 13% of GDP. Prime Minister Conte acknowledged the dangers of relaxing measures but argued a calculated risk must be taken to keep the country afloat. Spain's death toll has dropped below 100 for the first time in two months. But health officials have cautioned that the low tally could be due to delays in reporting on the weekends. The Spanish Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez has also sought to extend the state of emergency for another month, citing the success of the lockdown despite growing protests. Fitch has revised France's AA rating to negative, citing a substantial worsening in public finances and economic activity due to the nationwide lockdown. Let's get out to Charlotte for more. Charlotte, investors and France itself has been put on notice around the debt picture. But if you look at uh, the yield on uh, 10-year French bonds, it's still trading negative at this point. So it feels as though France has a lot of breathing room on the debt side. You're right. And in a way, this warning from Fitch is not a surprise given the current environment with the epidemic. So uh, maintaining the AA rating, but affirming their outlook to negative. Remember that back in April, S&P confirmed the same rating of AA, but kept that outlook at stable. And here the reason for Fitch uh, to downgrade the outlook, the mention of worsening in public finances and economic activity here again, no surprises given the current environment. Um, so this we know comes in the background of uh, Q1 GDP in France falling by 5.8%. So that was worse than what we've seen in other Eurozone countries, including the ones that had tough lockdowns uh, of Spain and Italy. Uh, the deficit now in France is forecast to be at 9%, which will be a post-war record that comes down from 3% in 2019. Debt is going to, of course, ramp up hugely to 115% um, from 98% in 2019. Again, that comes on the back of this whole package that uh, the French government has put in place uh, to try and help, in a way, put the French economy into an artificial coma while the worst of the crisis in the lockdown is happening and hoping that these measures will help the French economy to restart. And we know that French um, economy has come out of its lockdown last week on Monday, slowly and gradually shops reopening. Uh, so again, measures that the French government put in place, a 110 billion euros package uh, in some tax relief, for example, for some companies and smaller companies here, hoping that French economy can restart slowly and gradually. Partial employment scheme that's been very generous in France and picked up by many, many companies, uh, more than 12 million employees are under that scheme at the moment in France. Again, hoping that everything has been put in ice, the French government throwing money at the economy to hope that the restart and the kickstart of the economy can be gradual and quick. Uh, on the same vein, a bit what you mentioned in, on the Italian economy, uh, the tourism impact here this summer, uh, the French government announcing an 18 billion euros package to support the tourism industry this summer. Again, a big chunk of the French GDP there, uh, hoping to be uh, supported. Uh, so French people hoping um, that they can go on holiday in July and August uh, in the country. So again, all these measures, of course, impacting uh, the finances of the French economy, but uh, the French government hoping that this will help the economy start again slowly and gradually uh, and, and rebound uh, as quick as possible when uh, the health situation allows it. Karen?
Thank you very much for the update, Don France. Thousands of people took to the streets across Germany over the weekend to protest the government's lockdown measures. The mass demonstrations come despite the country having already eased restrictions. Now, some 200 people were reportedly arrested in Berlin for flouting distancing rules. Similar rallies also took place in Munich and Stuttgart. Authorities are warning that right-wing extremist groups are looking to exploit the protests after several demonstrators were seen holding banners showing neo-Nazi imagery. Police in London arrested 19 people this weekend for breaking social distancing rules at protests against the UK government's handling of the coronavirus outbreak. In a statement, the Metropolitan Police called the arrest disappointing, saying protesters risk contracting the infection. The demonstrations came on the first weekend after Prime Minister Boris Johnson loosened some restrictions on outdoor activity as part of a wider plan to ease lockdown measures. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.